0: Meteor Men of Mars by Harry Cord and Otis Aldebert Klein continues. The girl commander smiled wanly. This is the end, Earthman. Zugoth is one. The crab-like thing behind the desk teetered a little in the chair. His thoughts interrupted harshly. Not the end, Gina, for you you and your sub will round out my harem back on cyrevi this daring primitive earthian male and his companion will be minutely examined back of hammond a door dilated open grim-faced with a gash over his left eye stocky peter storm was pushed into the room by a squad of Cetapherons. a flashing-eyed brunette reaching barely to Storm's shoulder, walked by his side, head erect. Storm's grim face relaxed as he saw Hammond. His voice cracked into a wry grin. "'Say they got you too, Frank,' he said in English. Hammond nodded gravely. "'How'd they get you, Pete?' Storm shrugged, looked down at the brunette by his side. "'Ardine finally cornered me.' With one of those eight-legged tanks, under a nail in the boat seat. Storm shook his head as if the thing was crazy. We were headed back for the big one when the other space cruiser landed on the seat and started blasting. Three of the Cetiferon tanks cornered us and wrecked our vehicle. Ardine, he glanced down at her again in a manner. That flickered understanding into Hammond's eyes. Put up a good fight, but they finally got us, and marched us here. Looks like this Zugoth has taken the ship. A division of his blitzkrieg panzers are mopping up Zugoth's harsh order suddenly obtruded silence! Storm shrugged. The set warriors in the room stiffened expectantly. The hideous crab-like mouth worked. Imperial orders of Zugoff, first in command over Kulav, land of the Setapherons. All the males of the Vander Three shall be immediately put to death, and stored in cargo rooms, along with the female warriors who have been killed in battle. These we shall use for food on our journey back to Servi. The unharmed female shall be divided among you, according to rank, and placed in your harem. All but these two, his huge claw lifted to indicate Gina and Ardine. They are reserved for the first one. A low, satisfied beat of sound came from the attentive warriors. The machinery of the Vander Three shall be immediately repaired. For our triumphant return to Kulava. These two strange males, natives of Earth, I personally wish to dissect in the laboratory. Important information concerning future forays in greater force to this green planet may be obtained in this manner. The huge claw waved imperiously. I, first in command. Have spoken for a moment there was silence. In the stillness, Hammond's desperate gaze sought Storm's death, so casually pronounced death on the dissecting table it was monstrous. It was Storm who moved first. He took a quick sidestep and swung without preamble. His still taped, solid fist. Crushed through the green chitness armor of the nearest guard's face. Then he was whirling, striking again, and Hammond was joining him, lashing at the nearest guard, trying to slash a path to Zugoff, first in command. It was a bitter battle while it lasted. Hammond nearly made it. He saw Zugoff rear back in alarm, half lift his electronic rifle. Then a clubbed weapon sank the fighting chemist to his knees, and a moment later he was smothered under a pile of bodies. Chains were shackled about his wrists and ankles. He was jerked erect to face Sugoff, who had relaxed again in his chair. The ball-like eyes of the Setaferan king glared at him. Take them to the dissecting room at once, he ordered there shall i cut the wild life from them slowly with much pain hammond shook the hair from his eyes and met storm's battered grin with one of his own then his gaze sought Gina's. the girl's face was white her lips trembled her thoughts reached him heavily with regret goodbye Earthman. the chemist's lips went grim goodbye gina he answered then a cetaphon guard shoved him roughly through the door after storm the dissecting room was high-walled white full of strange apparatus that only vaguely resembled similar machines of earth there was a martian fluoroscope in which storm and hammond were minutely examined and notes taken by a martian talkie evidently a highly advanced type camera with soundtrack arrangement, which recorded what was revealed by the fluoroscope and the comments of the observer. The fluoroscope was a vast improvement over the Earth type. Hammond, watching Storm being examined with it, saw that any part of his companion's internal anatomy could be brought into sharp focus on the screen heart, lungs, bone structure, arteries each was minutely examined probed into the while the martian talkie hummed softly a number of strange drugs were needled into them as they stood behind the fluoroscope drugs that burned like fire contorted their bodies with convulsions and which were immediately eased by the introduction of a neutralizing drug others that paralyzed motor nerves and that deadened the sensory cells all was recorded by the laboratory scientists finally Hammond and storm were strapped on the dissecting tables a blinding white light beat down on their almost naked bodies Zagoth came into the laboratory then for a few moments he and the laboratory scientists held a consultation Hammond craned his neck and could see the cetaphon King's crab-like mouth work, see the ball-like eyes on the end of their stalks. The Martian talkie was running for him, the picture sequences thrown against a special screen that held the screen clear, without the dimming of the bright laboratory lights. zugoff watched attentively, only his revolting eyes swaying. Then he waved his huge claw. The talkie was shut off. Huge hideous he walked to the dissecting tables a Smaller table holding a gleaming array of scalpels and cutting instruments of all kinds was wheeled to his side Zagoff turned to Hammond His dwarfed right hand human like with tiny fingers picked up a knife At the moment a hidden Bell began to clang incessantly Zagov paused Half turned. The laboratory assistants fidgeted. One of them said, It is an alarm signal, first one. Something has happened in the ship. Zagov hesitated. Then he flung the knife down on the small table. Keep guard over the Earthians, Cusvi, he snapped to the head scientist. I will see what's causing the trouble. Hammond's tightened muscles relaxed the sweat on his forehead felt cool Unexpectedly he had been given a breathing spell, but for how long? Instinctively he tested the flexible silken straps that held him to the table They did not give though his muscles bunched and strained There was a silken thong around his neck holding his head down he turned his head slowly till he faced storm looks like our friend Zugoff never heard of anesthetic he muttered with an attempt of casualness he did not feel funny thing Pete it still doesn't seem real all this I mean just a few hours ago we were in a skiff fishing for blues now Pete managed to grin now we're still in the boat only it isn't looking toward Hammond he was facing the laboratory door and he saw them first hybrids armed with shield and electronic rifles two of them one of them carried red and green insignia on its dwarfed right arm Hammond turned his head warned by the look on Storm's face the laboratory head kuzvi saw the intruders a moment later he drew up stiffly evidently noting the rank of the foremost hybrid then all at once he whirled gave a short cry of warning to his assistants and reached for an electronic rifle in a wall rack the rifles in the hands of the strange hybrids lanced their electronic bolts Kuzvi staggered against the fluoroscope his green face fused into a black mess the other two assistants made a dash for the door at the far end of the room neither reached it a moment later the hybrid officer was bending over Hammond releasing him the other hybrid was doing the same for storm Hammond's mind whirled. he said thanks boys we sure he gasped his fingers tightening on the hybrids huge arm the scraggy bearded face had been pushed back revealing beneath the disguise Gina's beautiful features come she said sharply Drawing forth a similar hybrid disguise from within the garment, get into this Earthman. We have no time to lose. We must get away from here before Zagoth returns. Hammond and Storm obeyed with alacrity. They got into the hybrid costumes Zagoth's Cedrons had used to plant themselves in Gina's ship. They padded out the huge left arm with a soft cotton-like material they found in the laboratory. Ardine helped them in the task in the meantime. Gina disappeared in a closet-like room at the far end of the laboratory. When she returned, she held two strange-looking metal objects, very long, dull tubes with a dial face and a knob. She tucked these away in her costume without explaining. Ardine also had been foraging. She came back to them with what seemed like two small flashlights. Her voice was hurried. The size reducing and expanding ray guns. Perhaps we'll have use for them. Gina nodded. Her voice was quick, determined. Earthmen, Ardina and I are going to make an attempt to capture Zagoth's ship and escape back to Mars. The Vander 3 is being repaired, but it will take hours. Our only hope is the unharmed Cetophon craft. Hammond caught up one of the electronic rifles. We're with you, Gina, he said grimly. Lead the way. The door dilated open as they approached. A moment later, they were marching stiffly down a long corridor. Hammond gripped the electronic rifle he had taken from Kuzvi, his eyes hard under the strange optical openings in the hybrid mask. The ship was surging with setafrons, searching for the girls who had escaped from zagros harem at any moment as if in answer to his worst fears a cetefron squad appeared from a side corridor they halted abruptly the leader eyed the insignia on gina's arm then he raised his huge left arm in a diagonal across his chest evidently in salute gina's thoughts rasped the engine rooms THE FIRST ONE ORDERS. THE ESCAPED METAPHRONS HAVE BEEN SIGHTED. THE CETAPHRON GUARD WHEELED AND WENT DOWN THE CORRIDOR AT A SHUFFLING gait. HAMMOND RELAXED, FEELING SWEAT IN THE PALMS OF HIS HANDS, ON HIS BROW. THIS WAY, GINA ORDERED. THEY CUT DOWN THE SIDE CORRIDOR FROM WHICH THE GUARD HAD EMERGED AND TOOK A LONG RAMP DOWNWARD several times they met squads of ugly crustaceans but their disguise and gina's harsh commands got them by they were well down in the ship cutting across a big machine room deserted by the metaphron workers who tended the whirring machines when gina halted ardine and the earthmen waited while she darted down a long aisle and vanished into a smaller room beyond where a huge turban-like thing of glinting metal spun with a high-pitched hum. The girl commander had withdrawn one of the dull metal tubes before leaving them. She turned the knob, which moved the dial hand, evidently setting it to a desired position. Several minutes later she was back without the tube. Ardine's voice was shaken. Gina, how long? Four hours, Gina replied. Four hours until the degravitation of the Vander Three blows up. There was regret in her voice Hammond kept his silence but the need for haste now dogged them as they followed ramp after ramp down into the ship hurry Gina said again and again some of the route was familiar to Hammond who remembered being led along it on his way to Gina's navigation room he was sure of it when they stepped into the huge garage where row upon row of war tanks stood dark and unmoving along the walls there was no guard about across the room a tank was just rumbling in its eight legs clanking metallically evidently it was one of the Sudephron scouts that had been combing the boat for any of Gina's tanks that might have escaped the surprise attack Gina led the way swiftly they clambered onto one of the squat parked vehicles a moment later it clanked out Passing the larger one which was sidling into parking position nearer the door They weren't stopped a moment later They were climbing down the side of the big one to the boat seat and Scurrying across the ridges and gullies that were strewn with the wrecks of Sedefron and metaphron war vehicles Through the observation prow Hammond could see the vague maroon cliff that was the near boat side for a moment longing assailed him, longing to be in his own world again, to be out of this fantastic world of ultra smallness. His thoughts turned to the ray guns Ardina carried. Then he dismissed the thought that came to him. He owed Gina and Ardina his life, and for what it would be worth, he was still with them in this suicidal attempt to wrest from Zugroth and his crustacean horde. The huge battlecraft that had followed Vandar 3 across space. Zugoff's ship finally loomed up, like a colossus over the small tank. Unhesitatingly, Gina sent the ambulatory vehicle up the spiny side. The Cetifron craft was an exact copy of Gina's ship, and the girl commander guided the small tank unerringly to one of the dilating doors that opened. To a telepathic command. The huge room they entered was an exact duplicate of that which they had left in the Vandar 3 A Cetaphron guard watched them slide the small tank into parking space. Then his telepathic order crackled into their thoughts Who enters the flagship of the first one? Answer! Hammond kept his mind blank he saw gina's brow furrow slightly the words seemed to sound in his ears volksva second in command of hybrid intelligence searching flagship on orders of zugoth the first one gina commander of the vander 3 and her subcommander ardina have escaped with two earthmen all squads dispatched to the search zugoth orders there was a moment of hesitation. The hideous Cetaphron squad leader's eyes swayed gently. Then his reply came: "Proceed, Volshev. We stay to guard the tank room." Hammond kept a grip on his thoughts. Stiff-legged, marching with the shuffling gait of the hybrids, he followed Gina and Ardine and Storm out of the war tank and across the vast chamber to the corridor Zagoth's ship was practically deserted evidently only a skeleton guard had been left behind all others had been ordered out to battle and were now concentrated in the captured Metapheron space cruiser Hammond breathed a sigh of relief it looks as if Gina's desperate plan might succeed the sudden clanging of a huge bell somewhere in the ship's bowels stiffened them storms quick voice sounded the alarm signal the tank room guard must have suspected Come, Gina snapped the control room if we can take over and seal ourselves in they hurried along the corridor ducking into side rooms to avoid being sighted by squads of the green crustaceans that suddenly sprouted into being thus playing a grim game of hide-and-seek They finally made their way up to the control room, but here they ran into a huge, massed group of Cetaphrons, who had evidently been ordered to await any such move on the part of the desperate fugitives. The lurid crackle of electronic bolts fused against the corridor walls. Storm and Hammond worked their rifles with grim methodicalness, blasting a half-dozen of the green crustaceans into oblivion. But there were too many of them they had to fall back along the corridor then ardine received a partial shock from a glancing bolt that dropped her storm sprang to her heedless of the bursting bolts and caught her up in his strong arms gina and hammond covered him under the steady flare of bolts with storm ahead of them they turned and ran it was up to gina the earthmen followed blindly lost in the bewildering maze of ramps rooms and corridors as if in a grim nightmare they fought their way back through the ship escaping annihilation many times by gina's unerring knowledge of dilating rooms that gave temporary safety once hammond saw gina glance down at her chronometer and he felt the rise of alarm in her thoughts before she blanked them out and the chemist remembered then the time-bomb she had planted in the degravitator room of the Vandar Three. They crossed a momentarily deserted corridor. Storm still carried the unconscious Ardine and went into a long room that held a maze of long metal pipe overhead, and squat machinery with small feeders leading up to the huge conductors. Gina's thoughts came to Hammond as they were paused here. If we must die, let us take Zagoff and his hideous horde with us. I can't let them get back to Mars now. Hammond said, Gina, wait. But the lithe young Amazon was already running along a row of banked machinery, withdrawing the second time bomb from under her hybrid disguise. In the far wall a green light glowed as she approached. A door dilated open. And acetophron appeared in the opening for a moment he hesitated stalk eyes swaying toward Gina then suspicion fused to purpose and he swung his electron to target her Hammond's rifle lashed out first Gina scarcely slowed in her run she stepped over the crustacean's green body and vanished into the degravitator room sweat gathered on Hammond's brow as he waited Rifle held tight in his right hand. Storm was stroking Aldina's forehead, his face grim. A high-pitched hum of the giant degravitator filled the room. Then Gina returned, swiftly, tearing off her hybrid disguise. One hour, Earthman, she said, unevenly, her eyes dark with a terrible strain. One hour, and then we go down with Zagroff and the hideous horde. No! Hammond's voice was rough. He ripped the disguise from him, flung it aside. Bronzed and rangy, his square jaw set, he faced the girl commander. You've handled this so far, Gina, but we're not giving up. We're getting out of here if we have to blast our way through every foot. His ringing cry seemed to whip hope into Gina. The strain in her white face seemed to ease, and a strange smile Touched her full lips. Earthman, I think I shall like your breed. It does not easily give up. They turned away, crossed the huge room, just as a squad of Cetaphron burst in from the other end. Hammond dropped behind, his rifle covering the burden of Storm and Gina, the girl he loved. In a swift rearguard engagement, they fought their way out of the room. Gina's aimed, electronic bolt fused the hidden mechanism of the dilating door, through which they escaped, momentarily holding up the rush of hideous crustaceans. The tank rooms, Hammond barked, taking command. You know how to reach one of them, Gina? The girl nodded. Tensed, grim-faced, Hammond followed the girl, keeping Storm and Ardina between them, electronic rifle held ready. A small cetaphron squad patrolled the area, evidently on alert for such a break. But the sudden appearance of the Earthmen and the girls caught them by surprise. There were eight of them, and four went down to a combined fire of Gina and Hammond before they could train their rifles. Then Storm, laying Ardina on the hard floor, took a hand. Only one of that crustacean squad emerged. From that withering fire. He succeeded in reaching a huge wall switch. A moment later, a huge bell clanged its harsh alarm through the ship. Hammond killed him without regret. They took the nearest war tank, a small, fast scout vehicle. Gina sent it clattering toward the far wall just as Zugoff and a horde of Cetaphonians burst into the room the electronic rifle bolts splattered harmlessly against the armor of the speeding tank unharmed the fugitives passed through the dilating door and dipped down the side of the huge spacecraft hammond hung on to the hand grips watching storm the blond american held Ardine in the curve of his strong arm anxiety in his face only when the brunette began to stir her eyes did relief finally ease the grimness in storm's face the girl smiled up at him her arms tightening Hammond took his gaze away from the oblivious pair and peered through the observation windows Gina was guiding the small tank along the huge ledge that was the boat's side back of them a score of bigger war tanks were following Huge rays were blasting at them, burning scars in the ledge about them. The small tank finally dipped down the boat's side into the far seat. For a moment they were safe, out of the range of the bigger tank batteries. Gina brought the tank to an abrupt halt. Our only chance, she snapped. We must use the size-expanding ray. They clambered quickly out far across the void between seats the big ones loomed nearer coming toward them along the heavier boat side clattered the cetaffron war tanks for a brief moment gina's eyes mirrored a deep regret then she set the adjustment on her ray gun and turned it on hammond while ardine did the same to storm the familiar whirling darkness the bitter cold Claimed Hammond. The darkness faded. He found himself facing Storm on the boat's seat. The skiff was rocking crazily. Hammond teetered, stumbled back into the stern, and at the same moment, Ardine and Gina appeared. A wave shipped over the side, washing tiny, ant like things that a moment before had loomed as colossal war tanks into the bottom of the boat and at the same moment gina stiffened thrusting from the turret in the cetaphron spacecraft appeared a small glinting tube similar to the one gina had used to change them to tiny mites in another moment they would experience again the sickening change to ultra smallness twin reports like small firecrackers going off inside the big ones Cut across Hammond's instinctive yell to dive overboard. The space cruisers on the boat's seat, with the degravitators gone, seemed suddenly sucked down with irresistible force. They crashed through the seat, through the bottom of the skiff, and vanished in a swirl of water. The crawfish foundered, precipitating Hammond and his companions into the sound. Hammond stroked instinctively to Gina's side, but the girl was as good a swimmer as he. Ardenay and Storm swam alongside, and together they idled, looking back to where the crawfish barely showed above the swells, her thwarts awash. "'That's the end of Zugoff and his crustacean hordes,' Storm remarked with relief. "'Both ships must be buried deep in the muck and rock of the Sound.' Gina's eyes clouded Hammond had the sudden knowledge she was thinking of the Amazon warriors that had gone down with the Vandar three Yet he knew too that it was better this way than the more horrible fate that had been in store for them Gina stroked closer her shoulders brushing his She was still staring at the bobbing skiff a strange half fearful doubt tightening her wet face Hammond sensed the trend of her thoughts. The occupants of the pursuing war tanks, unfit for water travel, must have surely drowned, but the huge spacecraft were watertight. It might be that Zugoff and his crustacean horde, buried in the muck of the sound by their tremendous weight relative to their size, would yet succeed in repairing the degravitator of his ship, and wind free, before death overtook them hammond thrust the chill apprehension from him he grinned reassuringly as gina looked up at him eyes dark with uncertainty with sudden loneliness she was no longer master of a million warriors commander of a mighty ship of space she was just a girl now soft and lovely and somewhat afraid frank she said softly tremulously what is it like on earth We are lost, Ardine and I. Not lost, Gina, Frank answered, his voice serious. Over the girl's wet shoulder, in the west, he could see the swollen red orb of sun setting behind the wooded island. He saw further, into tomorrow and after, to his friends in the lab, to a story he knew would be incredulously received to a world he and storm would have to try to explain to these girls from across the star-hung void you'll be with me gina he said his voice gentle as my wife and perhaps some day with your knowledge and ardines the girl smiled and followed the lines of his upward glance shadows were lengthening across the heaving sound but in the still flushed sky a pinpoint of light beckoned like a smiling answer the brilliant disk of glowing mars the end of meteor men of mars by harry cord and otis Albert klein